0: Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast And we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff and having fun while we learn You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag At at letstalktorah.gmail.com And of course I will answer as many as I can High holidays are coming up Lots of things happening And in my life there's really a lot of things happening I have, thank God, been so busy Busy with great stuff Last weekend, I had a nephew's bar mitzvah, flew into New York, flew back from New York. Sunday night, I had a wedding. Um, Monday night, a, a neighbor's, they had what's called a Sheva uh one of the parties the week after the wedding, cause I had that Monday night. Tuesday night, they gave me a break. Wednesday night, oh, that was last night. Wednesday night, I had another friend's um, for that week. The party, the week of after they get married, called a lot of parties. And I have to be honest, I'm very, very busy. I study with my children, depending on the night. I can study with two or three children, hour and a half to two hours, which is beautiful. I love it. I have to prepare for the high holidays, got to prepare uh, for the prayers, got to prepare for the chauffeur, got to go over the laws, got to prepare some speeches, got to prepare some shows, it's been busy, and you know it's so interesting. If it's a if it's a close friends party, you could be there for hours. Okay, I have to rearrange for my kids when I uh, when I um, when they have with me earlier, um, with me later, push some things around, rearrange. But it's a friend. For a friend, you have patience. For an acquaintance you will, you won't, they need you, they need a certain amount of people, so okay, you want to do them a favor, but I'm busy. You know, my, my time is precious. It's true. My time is precious. That's very, very true. But I am willing to give from my precious time to my friends, which is, I think, is a beautiful holiday thought. You know, one of the things we say on the holidays is a verse. It's in Shashirim, it's, I am for my beloved, my beloved is for me, right? This is the holiday season. It's really referring to God, right? I'm for God, God's for me. The holidays are coming. We're going to be in synagogue for many, many hours. Really, the whole day. Yom Kippur, for sure, the whole day. On Rosh Hashanah, it's not the whole day, but it's deep in the afternoon, you get home, you eat a meal, and you're going back. But if your attitude is, that I am here with God. I am here with my friend. I have nowhere else to go. I have nothing else I would rather be doing. If that is your attitude, the day goes by so fast, you know what happened. And that's what happens, right? Last night, all the time in the world. Two hours, no problem. A few nights earlier, I was there because I had to be. An hour was too long for me. Too long. I don't want to be there. I mean, I wanted to be there, but I didn't want to be there long because they're acquaintances. But for a friend, for a good friend, you could be there for hours. And when I'm hanging out with God over Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, because God is right here, I have all the time in the world. I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm not pressured. And if my attitude on the high holidays is that I feel pressured, that... I, I want to get out of here. Then you might need to wonder and say, There's something wrong with this relationship. Now, that's a bad thing because you don't want a bad relationship with God. You want a loving relationship with God. You want a close relationship with God. If you don't feel it, and again, you know, as we get older, it should get easier because we've been building the relationship longer. The longer you build a relationship, the, be- the the easier it is and the more pleasant and pleasurable it is to hang out in synagogue. It's just this is something that you got to think about. If it's something you have to do, then you got to work on that relationship. If you want to work on the relationship, I mean, that's the whole point. Talking about relationships, to all my dedicated listeners, I know you love the show and I love our relationship. But I do need your help to help the show spread. I need you to go to my homepage. I need you to hit Please That Donate button. Leave your name. I'll give you a shout-out. In memory of, happy birthday. And, of course, in advance, I thank you. Okay, so fascinating. Talk about relationships. Talk about relationships. Um, This week's Torah portion is Nitzavim. And there is a, I guess we'll call it a mitzvah. Um, It's really more of a responsibility. And it's called Aravus. And arev, generally, in Hebrew, is a cosigner. In other words, you go to the bank, the bank doesn't want to give you the loan, so you go to your friend, and your friend will come to the bank and say, I will guarantee that he will pay. If he doesn't pay, you come to me. That's standard, called the cosigner. A very standard document. So, Um, not only is there a rule of cosigner in (laughs) regular banking loans, but God actually makes every Jew a cosigner for every other Jew. Okay, let's break that down. Meaning that every Jew was taking responsibility that every other Jew will fulfill God's commands. And it's interesting this is happening in this week's Torah portion. Let's back it up a little bit. This week's Torah portion, we're really making a new treaty with God. What happened to the old treaty? So at Mount Sinai, God makes a treaty with us, and we accept, and there's the blood, and half is on us, and half is on the altar. But the problem was, 40 days later, the Jewish people brought the golden calf. And that was so tragic that it broke the treaty, even though that treaty should not be breakable, but the treaty was. That first treaty, at least, was breakable. So now we're at the end of the 40 years in the desert. Moses is going to be dying in a few days. Moses' life will come to an end. He will hand over the Jewish people to Joshua. Joshua will bring the Jewish people into the land of Israel. And now, at the end of our 40 years, we're now we get it, and we've been studying, and we've been, been uh, cloistered, in these tents of, in these clouds of glory. So now it's time for a new treaty. Time for a new treaty. And this treaty is unbreakable. So God is making a new treaty with the Jewish people, and the gist of the new treaty is no backsies. We accept God as our God. We cannot trade him in. That's why we get punished so much every time we don't listen. And God will not trade us in even though sometimes we have to get punished, and sometimes we're in extremely long exiles, like right now. But at the end of the day, there's no trading. We belong to God, God belongs to us, and that's it. And even though over the centuries, different religions have come along and tried to say, and continue to say, that God traded us, they don't argue that God revealed himself by Mount Sinai and gave the Torah in front of millions of people, Nobody argues on that. Not the, at least the Christians and Muslims. They agree with that. They just say God, you know, had a private meeting with uh, with whoever it was and said that I changed my mind. Okay. We say when God's ready to tell us that he changed his mind, he's going to have to reveal himself to us again and tell us. Until that time, no backsies. So here we're, requ- we're responsible, required to make a new treaty, right? And in the treaty, we have to make a promise that we will will, uh, keep God's laws, right? And our children as well, meaning all future generations. What's interesting is if you look at the verse, the verse is really very long, like a very long winded that not only those that are here today, but even those that are in future generations. And the Archaim asks, like, what's all the words in this verse? Just say, we're making a promise, and our promise covers us and future generations. What's all the extra words for us? So he says that it's not just the parents that are earlier generations, that generation going to the land of Israel. Not only did they promise, and their promise required that we also Um, have a treaty with God and we also have to keep uh, God's rules and regulations and his mitzvahs and his Torah but the parents are responsible that's the key the parents are responsible to make sure that their children also keep the Torah so now it's a little it's not just parents said we swear oh yeah and this swearing covers our kids but our kids are on their own I don't gotta teach them anything no parents are responsible to make sure that their children also are keeping all of God's rules regulations torah and mitzvot which is really very fascinating right because it's 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 a concept right now words, we don't just tell our children we have to teach our children we have to show our children because that is the responsibility that we accepted upon ourselves when we made this treaty with God, that we're gods and God belongs to us and we belong to God. Okay. So now, how far does this responsibility go? So here's something fascinating. The famous parable. I've made it a little more modern, but I tell this parable over in class. I said, imagine our whole class, we're going on on a beautiful boat and everyone's getting their own Private room with their own private showers and beds and cabinets. You can bring anything you want to books and games and toys, whatever. Anyways, one boy uh, brings his father's big drill, big three foot long drill bit. And while everybody's busy walking around the boat in the room, this boy plugs in his drill and starts drilling in the floor. Starts drilling, drilling through the floor. And uh, people are listening in the room and saying, hey, well, what are you, what's going on here? Knock on the door. Uh, what's, what's going on? I said, What do you mean, what's going on? You guys play what you want. I brought my drill. I love drilling. So, when well, you're drilling a hole in the boat, yeah. Well, if you drill a hole in the boat, you're going to make a hole in the bottom of the ship and we're going to sink. And then I asked the class Imagine if the boy were to say, Mind your own business. You have your room, you do what you want. I have my room, I do what I want. What would everybody say? That's the most ridiculous thing ever, right? Why is it the most ridiculous thing ever? Because when you drill a a hole in the boat, we're all going to sink. It's not just you. If only your room sinks, okay, so you're on your own, which I do for you. But we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. Hey, that's a good phrase. We're all in the same boat, right? We're all going to suffer. So therefore, I have a right, not only a right, but I must stop you from drilling that hole because what you're doing is hurting others. That is our attitude towards our responsibility towards each other. As God has scales, there's an individual scale that that he judges on the high holidays on Rosh Hashanah and God has a national, international scale. The whole world is on a scale. So everything I do, good or bad, affects that scale. So I need to make sure that you behave, that you do what's right. That's the concept of responsibility, that we are each responsible for each other because what one does affects the other. Now, again, I'm dealing with third graders, so I happen to have asked them the following question. Uh, And I'd said this parable more than once this year because I like it and it brings the point across very, very succinctly. So I asked him, is this rule negative only? And I was I see you're doing something wrong. You're about to steal. You're about to slander. You're about to uh, um, not keep kosher. You're about to not keep the Sabbath properly. Is 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 it negative that my job is to make sure you don't do anything wrong in a negative fashion, or does it even go on the positive that I have to help you do good stuff, right? I have to help you do kind deeds. I have to help you give charity. I have to help you study. Is it only on the negative, or also in the positive? So it was really interesting. First, I only get three hands. I said, "Come on, let's think, guys." Do, do do you have an answer? Like, think about it. You you have to have an opinion over here. You don't get to just sit back and say nothing. Okay, more ends are coming up, okay? And interesting enough, at the beginning, many boys said, oh, it's only the negative, not for the positive. Okay, as so I continued to ask, a few boys figured, hey, maybe I better say the other side. And then, of course, you get the best answer, it depends. I said, I don't accept that answer. I said, it depends. That's not an answer. No matter what I say, you're going to say that's what, that you got it right. I said not acceptable. All right? No guts, no glory. You got to say an answer. But the bottom line is, of course, I think we all understand. We all recognize that the concept of being responsible is on both sides. I want to make sure you don't do anything negative, and of course, I want you to be positive because it's a scale. So. I could have you toss stuff on the good side, or I can have you remove stuff from the bad side. So I want both, and both is my responsibility. The idea of responsibility. So I was speaking by my friends, uh, by my friends, this um, last night. So it happens to be he's a he's a volunteer. He's like a volunteer ambulance guy. Here we call it hatsala. In New York, they call it hatsala. So I said, you know, I know what it means to grow up in the house of somebody who, unders- who understands what it means to care for others. My father, a blessed memory, was a volunteer fireman in, the, in those areas in Rockland County, probably northern New Jersey, I'm sure other places in the country. But the fire department was not paid for. You were not a paid employee here in in the Detroit area, they call you a public safety um person in other words you know, your, you could be a police officer and in the fire department and and in the ambulance corps and you know, if if somebody calls nine one one because it's a medical emergency, the police officers will show up and i many times if there's a fire also they'll show up because they do all it it makes it less expensive for the taxpayers to have somebody with one, having one guy to do three jobs. Okay. So my father was a volunteer fireman, but that meant if there's a fire in the middle of the night, he's getting up and getting out of the house. If there's a family get together, somebody's having a birthday party and he's by the birthday party and he gets a call, he was out of the house. If you're sitting by a Sabbath meal, okay, don't, I'm not telling anybody the law. He had his rabbis. Um, If something happened on the Sabbath, he had to go. If you're sitting by your Passover Seder and you're hearing the Manashtana from your children and the, the call goes out, he could disappear for hours. And we sat and waited. You know, it's a great learning tool that when you want to teach your children the importance of serving the community, So, yeah, you go out to meetings, board meetings, that's good. But when you are always on call, your children learn that, oh, yeah, my father, he he could pack out at any time, anytime he packs out, because that's what it means to serve. You're always on call. So this friend who made the is So I I I brought this point up. I said we're talking about his children. Said his, uh, our friend's children, see in action what does it mean to serve. It was like a beautiful lesson. It came across really, very beautiful, very powerful. A- and and that's what we're saying in the positive way. We have to positively show our responsibility for each other. That's something that, that we always are required to do, and certainly around the high holidays is a very important thing to do. So I told over the following story because one of the things that happens when when I show God that I am responsible, that I want everybody to do what God wants in a nice way, so that creates... A loving environment. I'm here to help you. I don't want you to. I don't want God to be angry at you. I want to help you. I want you to be a better person. Obviously, I'm trying. I'm trying to create peace between you and God, and that level of peace will also create peace between man and his friend. So, because it was at a wedding party, I had this great story. So, does it exactly connect with everything else we said so far today? Eh, maybe not, but it's such a good story. And a whole bunch of us will relate really well. So there was a husband and wife. They were going shopping for a used car. Now, it's an old story because the numbers in the story are obviously an old story. So he was going to a car dealer, um, and he figured he could get something for $1,000. Right? I just got tires for my car. Right? I know what you can get for $1,000. So he puts the money in his pocket, and he puts some tissues over it. And his wife says, you sure, you know, pickpockets, you sure the money will be safe? Maybe you should put it in your shoe. I guess they went into credit cards in those days. So the husband says, no, don't worry. Ah, I'm not getting pickpocketed. I can take care of the money. I can keep my hand here. Don't worry. Anyways, 15 minutes later, they're walking around. Husband gets a tap on his shoulder. And a man says, you know, I think you were just pickpocketed. Puts his hand in his pocket. Sure enough, the money's gone. Okay, no point in sticking around. They weren't taking a loan. So they go home. And the husband is waiting for his wife to say, told you so. You should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. Your wife's smart. You should listen. The wife didn't say a word. So finally, the husband says, I don't understand. Why are you not saying, I told you so? So the wife says, look, the money is gone. Telling you I told you so is not bringing back the money. What we do have is a peaceful, loving environment. I should ruin that also? So the husband said to himself, the time will come. I will pay my wife back. Three years later, um, they have a family wedding in Cleveland. And the husband gets himself a nice new suit and a shirt and a tie and has a nice suit bag and he leaves it on the bed. And they, they're doing all the packing and running and getting everything ready. And the husband says to the wife, so you got my suit? Yeah, yeah, your suit I put in the back with my clothes. It's, everything's there. Great. Great. They drive the six hours or seven or eight hours to Cleveland and the husband's unpacking and unpacking, gets everything into the room. And he says to his wife, "Um, I didn't see my suit. And the wife says, oh my gosh, I left your suit on the bed. Now it's obviously too late, right? You're not driving back eight hours. No one is coming eight hours away to pick up your suit. You're going to be left with your regular weekday clothes while everybody is dressed in their in their, in their finery, in their splendid, beautiful clothing, and you, of course, and the husband, of course, has nothing. So the husband says, three years ago, when I messed up, my wife didn't say a peep. I will, I, I won't be dressed nice. I'll be dressed like a beggar. You know what I mean, I, it's clearly I will not be one of the nicer dressed people by this wedding. And I don't care because my wife had the ability to care about me and say nothing when I was the klutz. So it happened to her. I also will say nothing. And this is really a beautiful, amazing story when it comes to peace. When we discuss shalom, we discuss peace. Because it's easy to talk. It's easy. Yeah, I'm loving. I'm caring. Look what I do for my wife. I buy her so many things and I buy her presents and I let her buy whatever clothes she wants and the wife says, look, I do his laundry and his clothes are always clean and I clean the house. Of course I love him. Of course I love him means that when I have a chance to knock the person down, because they did something wrong, can I keep my mouth shut? Can I be quiet and ignore it and not insult him? Or must I get in that last dig? Must I say, eh, big talker, look what you did, right? In other words, emotional, I can can attack you emotionally no matter how good I am uh, taking care of your physical needs. Can I take care of your emotional needs? that's true shalom. And by the way, as we've been saying the whole show, that's what we want, right? What's my relationship with God? Do I, yes, I have to do things. I have to do Torah and mitzvahs and kind. All that's important. But do I have that emotional relationship with God? That's the goal. But the music is playing. And I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, for my wonderful response, Listener, I can't do without you. Thank you, of course, for our wonderful production team. We have David in the back. Wishing all my friends and good listeners a happy, healthy, sweet new year. I hope I have less than food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi H.P. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NMW Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.